Okay, testing, one, two, three. Am I on? Oh, okay. Howdy, guys. Good to be here this weekend. And uh, let me tell you something about myself first, because I always feel like when someone shares the Bible, if you haven't met them before, you want to know something about them. How old am I? What was that guy singing about? Oh, yeah, I'm in my 50s. Um, I think I'm in that age. I'm, let me tell you something about me. I grew up in church all my life, and the only thing I really wanted the preacher to say was, Amen. It's over. Amen. Yeah, that's right. It's over. Amen. That's the only thing I lived for in church was to hear the preacher say amen. I never listened to anything. My mom uh, took me to church. My dad was not a Christian. And uh, she drugged me to church even though I didn't want to go. I was in, I was in nursery and uh, right, that must be the pod right there. And um, so uh, when I was about uh, 16 years old, um, someone invited me to that church to a youth group meeting. And uh, there was girls there, so I thought, hey, sounds all right, yeah. And uh, some of, girls, and uh, so some of them looked pretty nice looking, so uh, I thought, well, I'll check this place out. And so I did that, and um, I started going, and something was happening to me because some of the kids were just like I were. Uh, I was not a Christian. Uh, I made no bones about it, and there was some who were there who were just like me. And then there was some that seemed to have something that I didn't have. They had a joy, they had peace and so forth. And uh, they shared testimonies and they talked. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. The only thing even back then I was uh, uh, excited about was uh, we would have youth group meeting before church and then we'd have to go to church again. That was the first time in my life I went to a Sunday night service. And I thought, man, these people go Sunday morning, Sunday night. And then we'd go out and get something to eat and make out. I mean, then we'd go out and get something to eat and... um, and really, that's what was going on. And uh, there was a whole bunch of them that weren't any different than I was. And um, so while I was in church, though, something was happening. I was getting under conviction. And uh, I couldn't really wait for the preacher to say amen. And what was happening was, I, this, this is not fair. God does this, and I, I tried to talk to him about this, but he still does it today. Uh, when the preacher says amen, do you know that God will follow you home? Does everybody know that? You know, God will go wherever you are. I didn't walk down an aisle in a church. I was, it's 1969. I was in a little rock and roll group. We were called the Psychedelic Society. Oh, my. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Very sorry about that. And uh, I know that's a, um, probably hurts your feelings to even say that word, psychedelic. Uh, We thought we were really cool, and uh, we weren't. And um, so... One night in my bed, 1969, in September, uh, the Lord was just dealing with my heart, and I knew that if I died, I would not go to heaven, you guys. And that night, I settled it. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And um, I've, I've been up and down in the Christian life along the way, and I've had some failures and uh, some good times and some uh, times of growing. And this weekend, a blast from the past, we're talking about being a child of God. And uh, what I want to share with you today is how to grow as a Christian, as a child of God. I'm a firm believer. I believe every person who truly is saved, every young person, I don't care how many of you are in uh, sixth grade. Let me see hands. Okay. How many in seventh grade? Okay. Eighth grade. Okay. Ninth. In ninth graders. Okay. Tenth. Anybody in tenth? All right. Eleventh. 
12th. Yeah. All right. Okay. You guys going to make it? It's almost graduating. You, gonna, you really going to graduate? Okay. Just checking. All right. Well, um, I believe with all my heart that every person, every young person who knows Jesus as their Savior, they really do want to grow. And I'm going to share something about how you can grow today. So let's pray. Lord, we, we would ask right now that you would just bless your word to us. Help us to understand how to grow. Lord, if there's a Christian here who's struggling with uh, doing the right thing, being around the, the right kind of people or the wrong kind of people, looking at the wrong things, Lord, not reading their Bible or praying or whatever the case may be, or just kind of just not caring about spiritual things, I pray that you would help that young person this morning to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And Father, if there's someone here who is not a Christian, I pray that they would say, see that it's uh, the most wonderful thing in the world that Brother Colt and that group sang about today, to, to be able to say, I know Jesus as my Savior, and he is the most wonderful person in the whole wide world. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? All right. Well, let me share about, uh, ask this question. Are you growing as a Christian? The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, but grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I struggled with that a long time. What in the world does that mean, grow in grace? And it's two things. It says grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me back up just here, just a little bit. How many of you ever taken the Lord's Supper or communion? Can I see hands? Okay, just about everybody here is taking communion or something. You've heard the preacher say this. We do this in remembrance of Him. You know what that is? That's grace. You are remembering back to what Jesus... If you know Jesus as your Savior, when you take the Lord's Supper or communion, what you're doing is the Bible says you eat this bread in remembrance that I, I bore my body on the cross for your sins. It was crushed for you, so to say. They whipped me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And then we drink the cup and we do that, it says, in remembrance of his blood, that he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. You guys, listen, that's grace. It's remembering what God's done for you. And the Bible says, grow in grace. It's just like uh, Colt and you guys just saying, here I am to worship. You know what you're doing right then? You're growing in grace. That's grace. Is You're saying, man, Lord, I love you. All that you've done for me. I trusted you as my Savior. Uh, you've helped me through some, some rough times in my life. You've given me joy on the inside. That's growing in grace. The flip side, the Bible says, it says not only grow in the grace, but it says in that verse, grow in the knowledge. And this is where you get the knowledge from the Word of God. There's a whole lot of people who like to sing, but don't like to read the Bible. A whole lot of people who like to have fun, but they don't really want to read the Bible every day. Now, I could almost be assured in this group, there's a whole bunch of you that have not been reading your Bible. And you know what? I'm not here to put you down for that. I'm here to try to encourage you to read the Bible. Because, man, this is God's love letter. Um, you know, it was my anniversary the other day. And, and uh, when I woke up that morning, it was on Thursday, I started my wife. I said, oh, oh, I got these chest pains real bad. She come run over. She was getting dressed, and she come run over at the side of bed. She said, "What's the matter?" I said, "I think I'm having a heart attack." She said, "When did it start?" 
I said, it started the day I married you. I said, I love you. <laughs> I said, happy anniversary. You know, and then she smacked me. Can you believe that? I can't hardly believe it. She smacked me. And she said, oh, you had me so worried. And uh, you know something? Uh, it is great when I get some kind of letter or something from my wife if I've been away. Man, I read that thing over and over and over again. I wonder what she meant by that. You know what? This is God's love letter. This is so exciting. Did you know, everybody know here, God loves you? You know, God loves you so much, he has sent you a letter. This is his love letter to you. And so I'm, I'm really urging you. You know, the Bible says you grow two ways. Grace, you get excited about what God's already done for you. And then on the other side, you, you grow by knowledge. And so the verse that I've picked out today is 2 Peter 3.18. They've already quoted. But grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Now that's found... 2 Peter chapter 3, the whole chapter is what I like to look at today. It's just part of the verses there. Because the whole verses tells you how you can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And so, let's do that. There's four things that this chapter says. In fact, all of them. In fact, if you have your Bibles, real quick, I'll just show them to you so you can see them. Uh, like right here, First, uh, 2 Peter 3, 1 and 2. It's these words, it's the word beloved... And then you'll find the word be, and then a word after it. So like here, beloved, be mindful. It's found in verses 1 and 2. Beloved. So it's talking to Christians. Everybody, amen? Gotcha? Not talking to anybody who says, I don't believe in Jesus. These are talking to people who have trusted Jesus as their Savior. So these are believers. And so it says, beloved. And then it says, be mindful. Now look on down to verse number 8. Okay? Beloved. And it says, be not ignorant. In other words, uh, hey, you need to know something. Don't be ignorant. Look on down at verse number 14. I just want to show you where we're going here. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. So, beloved, be diligent. Look at verse 17. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware. So, we got, beloved, be mindful. Beloved, be not ignorant. Beloved, be diligent. Beloved, beware. Four things, if, if you say, you know, Brother Greg, I, I, I know Jesus is my Savior. I really do want to grow. Man, I love it when we sing. I, I, you know what? I, I just really do love the Lord. But I do have a struggle with, with growing in knowledge and understanding the Bible and trying to apply the Bible to my life and being the best that God wants me to be. You know, God does really want you and me to be the best that we can be. Let, let me, I want to find out first the, the group I'm speaking to. Has anyone here ever sinned? Can I see hands? Okay. Okay, I'm, I just want to make sure everybody's hand goes up because if you don't, then you're a liar. Okay? And then so you sinned. Okay, thanks. Put them down. You know what? Me too. I, I forgot to put my hand up. I got both of them up. Man alive, I've done so many wrong things. I want to learn to do the right things. So here they are. First thing. Number one. Beloved, be mindful. So let me read the verse to you. This second epistle, or letter, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, something that Peter wants us to remember, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And he goes on in verses 3 and 4, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, and we'll look at that. What in the world is a scoffer? Walking after their own lusts. And saying, where's the promise of his coming? You guys, 
You Christians are always talking about Jesus coming back again. There's going to be people that are going to say, well, he's not coming. You know what? It's been 2,000 years since Jesus came. Where is he? You know, I've had people say that to me. Oh, I don't believe that. He ain't coming. You know? And then it says here, For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. In other words, you know what? That, that's just old wives' tales and so forth. So, beloved, be mindful. What's it mean to be a scoffer? Scoffers make fun of spiritual things. I see them sometimes in retreats. I see them sometimes at, uh, in Christian schools. I see them, uh, you know, I, I hate to all tell you this. I shouldn't even tell you this, but I'm a principal as well. I'm pastor and I'm principal of Christian school, uh, elementary school. And so, you know, as soon as the principal starts coming down the hallway, everybody, you know, or they get sent to the principal's office, you know. And there are people, even in Christian schools, it doesn't matter whether public school, Christian school, Christian college. There are people in Christian colleges. You know what? Preachers start talking up something from there. Oh, brother, here it goes again. You know? Uh, I went to Tennessee Temple, too. And, uh, you know, I was there when Dr. Lee Robertson was there. He said there's only three messages. Only three kinds of messages. Here they are. Number one, get saved. Amen. Number two, get right. Amen. That's if you're a Christian. Number three, keep going. That's it. That's all the Bible. Just to be honest. You can look all through the Bible. That's what it says. Get saved, get right, or keep going. And so there are scoffers. Sometimes there are Christians that are like that. I don't believe all that Bible stuff. Or, you know what, them Bible thumpers or, or anything else that you want to put with it. So, when we sometimes, I guess, we look at this whole, whole issue about uh, they say, well, we don't even believe that God created Here's part of the problem. There are people today that say, I don't believe God created. See, they don't believe that God created everything. And the Bible tells us here in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this, For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth. It's saying to us, God really did create everything. You know, if you're a Christian today, you've got to say, Hey, you know, if I'm going to grow, I've got to be mindful of the fact that God did create everything. Amen. Did you know you're created by God, everybody? You know what? Every scientist can explain, if you will, how, how a baby comes to be. You know, the process. In fact, if I go over here and flip the switch, scientists can tell you the process of how electricity works, but they can't tell you everything about it. They re- we use it all the time, but 
we don't really completely understand it. That's the same same thing about birth. We say, okay, you know, two people get together and so forth. We could understand the process, but we don't understand how, just like that, life begins. Because the Bible says God is the one that gives us life. So the scoffers say, hey, I don't believe God created everything. The next verse says this. They don't believe that God judged the world one day. Young people, listen. God's judged this world one day. You know what? Uh, I don't know if any of you know, I'm not sure exactly where you're all from, but Holston Mountain, the one that you can see from Bristol. Sometimes it's got snow on it and so forth there. Kind of high up. You know what they found up on top of Holston Mountain? Seashells. Hey, man. Seashells. Seashells. You dig down and where did they come from? You know what? You can go out west. And you know what you can find up in the Rockies? You can find seashells. You can find uh, uh, fossils of mollusks and uh, so forth, uh, snails, all kinds of stuff. You say, okay, now how did that get there? You see, scientists are a little puzzled about that. I'm not. doesn't bother me in the least. I believe that God one day judged this world. Only eight people were saved. And the Bible's talking about present day. It says, oh, I don't hear about that old stuff. It says, listen... You as a Christian, be mindful. Number one, God created everything. Everybody say amen. Amen. He created everything. Number two, God once before already judged everything in a flood. He gave, in fact, Noah preached for 120 years. Nobody listened to him. Nobody got saved. Sometimes I hear people say, hey, who got saved? I'm going to ask you something. Was Noah a good preacher? He was. But nobody listened. He preached, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. But nobody listened. And so these people don't believe that God judged the earth one day. They also don't believe this, that one day, listen you guys, God's going to judge. Did you know God's going to judge this place? He's going to judge this whole world again. Listen to this verse. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, right now, by the same word, are kept in store. That means that, that God is guarding it, if you will reserved under fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. God says, I'm going to judge this place. You know what? I'm, I'm going to be in part of that. I'm looking for Jesus to come back. Everybody? Amen? Amen? Okay? Uh, you know what? If Jesus comes back. If he comes back while I'm speaking, the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Those of us that are alive and remain, we will be changed in a moment and caught up together with the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be of the Lord. The next event on God's calendar is this, the rapture. It's called the rapture. Jesus is coming again. But you know what? After that, God's going to judge this planet. There are going to be people that are going to see things that, that I tell you what, they think about gas prices now. The Bible says that one day, that a loaf of bread will cost a day's wages. A loaf of, you know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is going to judge this world in the battle of Armageddon. And then so we stop and we think, says, okay, be mindful. So you say, okay, preacher, how do you grow? Be mindful. There's something that you need to know. Be mindful of the fact of what? That God created everything. Be mindful of the fact that God once destroyed everything in a flood. And be mindful as a Christian that God is once again going to destroy everything. Guys, it's not going to, you know what? It's not going to continue forever and ever. This world's, it's winding down. It's coming to a stop. But then God says, here's the second thing. If you really want to grow, here it is. Don't be ignorant. Here we go. There's our word. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant about what? Well, in this passage, 
I think there's two things that God doesn't want me to be ignorant about. You all ever said that to someone? You're ignorant. You know what? There are Christians who are ignorant. Do you know that? There are Christians, Christian young people who are ignorant. Ignorant about what God's going to do. There's Christian adults who are ignorant. They're ignorant about what God's going to do. Number one, do you all believe this? Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell. You know, you say, where's the verse? Here it is. This is one of my favorite verses. But the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. In other words, you know, He's going to keep His word is what that's saying. But He's long-suffering. That means patient. To us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What in the world does that mean? That means this. You say, oh, Mr. Cain, Brother Greg, you don't really believe there's a real place called hell. I believe there's a real place. I think there are people there right now. In fact, I think there are people there right now who know people who are alive today. And just as Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, remember the rich man said, Father Abraham, send back Lazarus from the dead. I got five brothers. I don't want them to come here. You know what? People in hell are really better witnesses than those who are alive. Did you know that? They want people. They don't want people. I've heard guys say to me one time, I had this guy, I was talking to him about the Lord, and he was a construction guy, real rough, and he says, ah, man, I care about that stuff. He said, man, when we get down to hell, we're going to break open a keg. We're going to have a keg party. I said, you're going to have a party. I said, but I can tell you this. It's not going to be a keg party. It's going to be a fire party. And I said, you're going to be crying. You're going to be weeping. You're going to be gnashing your teeth. And the Bible says that's the way that it's going to be. And, you know, the Bible says Jesus wants instead people to go to heaven. In fact, you know, that's what he wants. He wants us one day to go to heaven, to be with him forever and ever. I don't know what it's going to be like. Just to be quite honest, there's going to be angels there. I'm not going to be one of them. Neither are you. You don't get wings when you get to heaven, just so you know. Um, but here's that story of Lazarus, you know, and the, the rich man. There's the rich man in hell. And uh, here we got Lazarus. He's, he's being taken off to heaven. And so, you know something? The Bible tells us, it says, hey, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the fact that God does not want people to go to hell. So I have to ask you a question. Are you growing as a Christian? Do you want people to go to hell? When's the last time that you gave a track out? When's the last time you talked to a classmate at school? You know what? When, when I, I told you about when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I went to public school up in Pennsylvania. Okay, uh, really from the south, south Philly. Um, and uh, I played in this little group and so forth. And uh, I was, we sat, quote, unquote, with all the cool guys. You know, and, and as we made fun of everybody. Let me just tell you how, how bad I was. If someone was overweight and it was a girl, they walked by the table. And we said awful things. In eighth grade, I cussed out one of my teachers. She left the school because of me. I was real bad. You say, you're a preacher? Yeah, I was really bad. And um, I said all kinds of filthy things. And uh, we would make fun of everybody. And if you, weren't, if you weren't like us, you know, you just got it. And so I got saved. I didn't know any better, you guys. I went to school and I told these guys. I said, hey, guess what? I got saved. Yeah. And I tell you what. The next day I uh, went to sit with them at the lunch table. And they all got up and they moved away. 
I thought, what's going on? Next day, I tried it again. They all got up and they moved away. They didn't want me to sit with them anymore. They said, you get that religion stuff. We don't want you. No one told me to quit that group. But I was really, um, what I want to say, I was really unhappy. I just didn't feel like I fit in anymore. The month, the month after I quit, you guys listen, you know, um, every guy in that group, there was a girl that they got to play keyboard. month after I left, every guy in that group had her physically. I'm thankful that God kept me from that, just to be quite honest. And uh, so, you know, what I, I was, you know what I was dealing with? I started going around to, uh, I was wondering, where am I supposed to sit in lunchtime? Nobody wants to sit with me. And so, because let me tell you, I had made fun of a lot of people. And so there was this one heavyset girl, and so I uh, said, hey, can I sit here? She said, what do you want? I said, well, let me just say this first. I said, I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. I said, it may not mean anything to you. I said, but I got saved. See, I, I didn't know any difference. I thought you were supposed to go around and tell everybody that. I got saved, you know. And, uh, and I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. You mind? She said, yeah, sit down. And so, you know what? We became good friends. And then the Lord kind of worked on my heart and said, you know what? There's other people you've done that to, too. And I started, I started just about every week. I would go around someplace else in the cafeteria. It was a big school. And I'd sit next to somebody else, somebody who was sitting by themselves that nobody wanted to be around. And God used that in my life. And I was, I was able to share, if you will, the gospel with a number of these people. In fact, in the yearbook, they have my picture, and they say uh, about me going into the ministry because I made a decision to go into the ministry while I was in high school. And so I just urge you, you know what? God says that, he says, don't be ignorant. God doesn't want people to go to hell, and he doesn't want us to want people to go to hell either. And I know you feel that way. And then it says this in that verse that talks about repentance, that all should come to repentance. There's a lot of misunderstanding about this word, you guys. What's repentance? Repentance is I get on my knees and I cry and I get, no, that's not repentance. Let me tell you. The word repentance simply means a change of mind. That's all that it is. And you change your mind about a number of things, such as change your mind about yourself. See, I changed my mind about myself. I was a jerk before. And then I changed my mind. I thought I was cool, but then I said, I'm a jerk. You know? And I'm a sinner. And I've done things that are wrong. I changed my mind about God. I didn't care about God before. I thought it was stupid to believe in God. I changed my mind about Jesus. I understood that Jesus loved me so much that He shed His blood on the cross for me. He paid for my sins on the cross. See, I changed my mind about that. I changed my mind about judgment. I, I understood that one day, hey, you die, you're going to face God. And I thought, man, this ain't good. I've done a lot of things that are wrong. Changed my mind about how to get to heaven. I just always thought, you know, if you're good enough, you get to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I changed my mind about sin. I realized I've done things that are wrong in my life. And so, you know what? Don't be ignorant. This is what people need to hear. They need to hear about Jesus. The third one's this. It says, be diligent. Here's 2 Peter 3.14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. What things? Well, we'll look at them. Be diligent that you may be found in Him in peace without spot and blameless. You know what? The Bible says here's the third way to grow if you're going to grow as a Christian. Oh, diligent about what? Number one, living right. Look at this. Therefore, seeing all these things will be dissolved, 
What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? The Bible says everything that, that we may be living for here, one day it's going to be gone. And then it says, uh, look up, 2 Peter 3, verses 12 and 13, looking for, hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements, that's here, the earth, it will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. What's God saying? He says, be diligent to know something. Live right. You know what? Decide. I bet you there are some of you boys in this room right now, you've been on the internet looking at stuff that you shouldn't look at. You say, how do you know that? Because I've caught kids at school. I know. And you know what? There's things maybe that you have done that you don't want anyone to know about. Did you know what? God knows. And if you're a Christian, you say, do I have to confess that to you? No. Just tell the God. And you know what? And then you decide, I'm going to be diligent to, to live right. And I'm going to look up because Jesus is coming. And all this stuff is, is going to be gone. One day, that's going to be you, guys. If you know Jesus as your Savior. Jesus is going to come and you're going to be caught up to be with the Lord. And uh, I guess we'll be like little pixies or something. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But we're going to be gone. And nobody's going to see us go. You know what's going to be left behind? This is kind of embarrassing. All your clothes are going to be left behind. Make sure you got clean underwear on, okay? Okay? Uh, and that, my mom always told me that. Wherever, wherever you go, make sure you got clean underwear on. Well, you're going, to be, you're going to be gone. You know, one day, everything that you see, this room, your house, everything in this world will be gone. And I don't know, the Bible says it's going to be melt with a fervent heat. Somehow it's going to be just like that. It's going to be gone. And so the Bible's urging us, it says, hey, hey, you Christians, be diligent. You know, live right. Look up, Jesus is coming. Everything's not going to be like this forever and ever. So that's, that's the third one. So you have to ask yourself. You ready? I watched some of you jump. That's why I come over here. You know what? If Jesus came today, there's some of you in this room. You'd be gone. Some of you may be left behind. And just like that, that's going to happen in church. The Bible tells us that. Not everyone who says, listen, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is a Christian. Not everyone who says, who even sings is a Christian. Says, oh, Glory. The Bible makes not everybody who preaches is a Christian. You know, so you have to ask yourself, are you, that's what the Bible's talking about. Be diligent. Be diligent. Live right. Look for Jesus coming because that's what's going to be like, you guys. You know what? You're here this week. This weekend, there may be someone in your cabin that does not know Jesus as a Savior. So Maybe someone you came with. You know what? When I was in uh, that youth group, I was dating this girl. And uh, she discovered, and I didn't, I didn't play no games. I never told anyone I was a Christian. She said, you're not a Christian, are you? I said, well, no. I'm just here to 
be with the girls. <laughs> you know, I didn't tell her that. But I wasn't Christian. And she said, well, um, i got to break up with you. I said, what? She said, you're not a Christian. She said, the Bible says that you should not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. And, uh, man, I tell you, I was ticked off. I was mad. And I thought, who does she think she is? I mean, I'll tell you who she was. She was Christian. She understood that there's only two things could happen. I couldn't come up to her level because she was Christian. The only thing that could happen is I'd drag her down. I'm going to drag her down. You guys, listen. God wants you to, to live right for him. And to, to look up, Jesus is coming. Everybody, you all believe Jesus is coming? Amen? Amen. Okay. The last one's this. Beloved, beware. Beware about what, preacher? Well, the Bible says, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know this beforehand, all this is going to happen, beware, lest you also fall from your own step. This is telling us that Christians can fall. Christians can get away from the Lord. Being led away with the air, literally, of the wicked one. Someone tell me, who's the wicked one? Satan. Did you know there's a lot of Christians that do not even believe that Satan exists? He exists, and the Bible says, you need to beware lest you are led astray. There's a couple things here. Who you hang out with, you can be led astray by that. I used to say to my kids when they were growing up, hey, I don't like you hanging around that person. They've got a bad attitude. The person says, you ever say, have your parents say to you, you've got a bad attitude. And then you say back to them, what attitude? Bad attitude. You know what? It's written sometimes all over us. I've had that. Listen to this verse. First, this is my favorite verse I used to quote to my kids. Be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Who you hang around with will affect you. Did you know that? You can affect people the right way, or you can uh, have people affect you. The Bible says that you need to beware of what you think. Think on those things that are pure or lovely, if they're being in virtue, if they're being praised. It says, think on those things, Philippians 4.8. Whatever you do, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You guys, you know something? This whole thing of bewaring, the Bible says, Take heed lest you also fall. i tell you something. There's been times in my life where I have been critical of other people, and I've been away from the Lord. I haven't been doing the, the right thing. So the base, this is the basics of Christianity. Peter tells us, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Okay, Peter, how do I grow in the knowledge? Be mindful. Remember? Okay, he created. He destroyed one time. He judged. He's going to judge again. Hey, uh, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the fact that Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everybody to go to heaven. Not everybody is. We understand that. Be diligent. Be diligent to do what? Be diligent to make sure that you live right and that you're looking for Jesus to come. Number four, make sure that you beware. You watch your body. Paul said, I bring my body into subjection. I do the right things. Lest when I preach to others, I myself become a castaway. Listen, a scoffer, even among Christians, I've, I've met, I've been one sometimes. A scoffer is someone who treats lightly that which they ought to take seriously. That's what a scoffer is in this passage. Why do these people scoff? Because they don't want to give up their sin. i like to ask you a question. What is God asking you right now? Maybe he's knocking on your heart and saying, you know what? There's certain things that you're doing. You know what they are. I don't know what they are. I don't want to know. You know what they are. If your lifestyle contradicts the Bible, then two things have to happen. Number one, you need to either change your lifestyle 
or you need to rip those pages out of the Bible. That's two things that need to happen. So, are, are you going to grow? Let me give you some statistics real quick, and then we'll close in prayer. A survey was done by Josh McDowell of 4,500 students in 25 high schools across the United States. 74% of those students said that they cheat on their tests. 72% they said they cheat on written assignments. Okay, here we go. In this same survey, they did among youth groups, among Christian, so-called Christian teens, 74% of the Christian kids said that they cheat on their school tests. You know what? My first two years in college, I went to Philadelphia College of Bible, right in Center City, Philadelphia. This guy drove in. I watched him. He used to pull out. He was in a number of classes with me. He was going to be a youth minister. He used to pull out from under his leg the cheat sheet. Bible college. Happens in Bible college. Happens in school. Happens everywhere. Christian kids, 93%. Let me ask you a question. In the last year, now I want you to be honest. How many of you teens have lied to your parents in the last year? I'm just curious. Be honest. Okay? Guess what? I did too. Did you do that? No, Dad, I didn't do that. I could say it with a straight face. No, Dad. I didn't. I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. You know what? Listen to this. 60% Christian kids said cheating does not violate their personal code of right and wrong. I don't care about your personal code, and God doesn't care about your personal code. This is the code that He cares about. It's the Word of God. Are you obeying this one? Here, 62% of sick Christian kids, they said they would cheat if they knew they wouldn't get caught. So, in other words, it's not cheating unless you get caught. No, this is what they came up with in this survey. There's no more than a 4% difference from those who profess no Christianity at all. You understand that? That is saying this, that if you say, I'm a Christian, Brother Greg, I'm a Christian. They're saying that in Christian teens, there is no difference than a 4% difference of those who say, I'm not a Christian, in the way that they live. And you know what? God says there ought to be a difference in our, our moral lives, how we live. Here's a guy who's a great youth leader. He says this, accepting Christ and making a profession of faith today makes little to no difference in a young person's attitude and behavior. Wow, that's scary to me. That will scare you. 91% of youth said this, there is no absolute truth. When God says, you know what he says in the New Testament? Lie not. Lie not to one another. Now, I want to ask you a question. Does that mean always? It means if your parents ask you, if it means you're going to get in trouble, what are you supposed to do? Tell the what? Tell the truth. If your teacher asks you, you know what? I was in seventh grade. Mr. Hartle was uh, young, part of Young Life, a Christian group at my high school. And he looked back there. He said, Cain, you talking? No, sir. You got a detention tonight for lying to me. Man, if I would have, he, he told me after, he said, if you just told me, he would have told me the truth, I wouldn't give you detention. I would have just told you to be quiet. He says, I cannot tolerate someone who lies. I said, yes, sir. I had, I had to clean up. He was the wood shop teacher. I had to clean up the whole shop that night. And, uh, man, I learned a, an important lesson. But 91% of youth said there's no absolute truth. Only 9% of church youth, if you guys go to church, listen, believe in absolute truth. That there are rights and there are wrong. Only 9%. Teenagers, here, here they said, no authority of truth higher than yourself. 
In other words, it's right if I want to do it. It's wrong only if I say it's wrong. 65% of these polled said they don't believe in Satan. 70% said they don't believe in absolute moral truth that it even exists. Third, now listen, here's, here's where this kind of fleshes out, and then we'll pray. Teens who do not believe in absolute truth are 300% more likely to use illegal drugs. You know what? You probably know kids in your school that use drugs. How many, how many of you know someone who uses drugs? Can I, look, at, look, at, look at the hands. You know somebody who uses drugs. Teens who do not believe in absolute truth are 600% more likely to commit suicide. You know what's scary? There's one of you in here. You've, you know what? You feel life's not worth living. If you don't believe in absolute truth, you, such as God loves you with an everlasting, that's an absolute truth. 48%. Teens who do not believe in absolute truth are 40, 48% more likely to cheat on an exam. 225% more likely to be angry with life. Man, life sucks. It stinks. I hate it. I, you don't know how many times I've heard someone say that. I said I taught Bible class, 12th graders, uh, four years ago. And then I said, this is the best time of your life. And one boy raised his hand. He said, Mr. Kane, if this is the best time of my life, I said, I might as well just kill myself. He was being serious. He talked to me afterwards. Man, you know what? I know you may not believe this. This is the best time of your life. It really is. Teens who do not believe in absolute truth are 200% more likely to be disappointed in life. 200% more likely to look at or read or watch pornographic materials and films. Did you know that the majority of men who go on the Internet, majority of men, go to pornographic websites? Did you know that? It's a problem among teens, too. Here you go. 210% more likely to lack purpose. So I close with this. What's that mean to you? That's the hand of Jesus. Getting ready to take the spike. You know what that is? That's grace. God loved you so much that Jesus took the cross for your sins. Grow in grace. Man, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me. Maybe some of you need to get back to that today. Lord Jesus, thanks. Man, I just want to thank you for what you did to me. But maybe some of you need to say, I need to grow in knowledge. Man, I, I need to understand the Bible. I need to read it. I need to know what God says about how to grow as a Christian. Would you bow your heads with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, can I ask a question? How many of you in this room would say, you know what, Brother Greg, um, and I'm not going to come back to you. Let me tell you, nobody's going to come to you. I don't, I don't believe in that. How many of you would say, you know what, you talked about being a Christian. I'm not even sure that if I died today that I know I'd go to heaven. I'm not absolutely sure if I died I'd go to heaven. Would you just put your hand up? Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not absolutely sure if I... Thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm not sure. If I died, I'd go to heaven. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for being honest. I, everything I appreciate the most is honesty. Anybody else? I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. 
How many of you now as Christians, hey, you, you guys say, hey, I know Jesus. You've, you've just seen there's some hands went up. And there's some people here who said, I, I'm not sure if I die to go to heaven. Now, I'm going to share with them, not, not this right now, but tonight and Sunday, how you can know for sure. How many of you of Christians would say, you know what? God spoke to my heart, and I know I need to live right if there's going to be people who are going to come to know Jesus as their Savior. God spoke to my heart about how I'm living, and I need to make some changes. Would you, would you slip your hand up? Amen. Amen. All over the room. Any others? God spoke to my heart about how I'm living. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. And you know what? Those of you who raised your hand and said, I'm not sure if I die to go to heaven, um, it is real simple to trust Jesus as one Savior. The Bible says we're all sinners. We're all sinned and come sure of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. That means hell, separation from God. The Bible says, but the gift of God. Now, please get that. It's nothing you work for. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do all this stuff. It's the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You have to trust Jesus as your Savior. You just come to the place and you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know if I died right now without you, I'd go to hell. You have to believe that. And then you say, I accept what you did on the cross for me. I believe that you died in my place on that cross. And I'm trusting you to the very best of my ability. I ask you to forgive me my sins and be my Savior. Young people, if you raised your hand at first and said, I'm not sure if I died, if if you cry that out from the depth of your heart today, God will save you right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come. You can come talk to me afterwards. But the group that's been here, Uncle Paul, any one of these counselors, you can talk to them. And they will show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. And maybe you just did it just now. You see, it's that simple. God doesn't make it hard. Father, I pray. I pray for these young people. Lord, what a great day they're living in. I think of... uh, Man, I never had any groups like this come and play when uh, I was uh, growing up as a Christian. And uh, we just didn't have that kind of stuff. And and what a thrill it is to see Brother Colton and this group up here and worshiping the Lord in some great songs. Lord, encourage us. Encourage those who are Christians to say, I want to grow. I pray that's the one thing that got out of this. I want to grow. I want to grow. And Lord, for those that you spoke to, that they know that they're not saved. I pray that they won't think that anybody's breathing down their neck. Lord, you love them. And you want them to be in heaven. And so I just pray that you be with them. Give them a good day today. Then bring us back together tonight and we can open up the Bible once more. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.